On this episode of The Mompreneur Show, I'm talking to Rachel Cook. Rachel is a wife and mama of three adorable kiddos. Two of them are twins, which is the most cutest thing, and I will totally talk to her about that. And she is an award-winning business strategist at rachelcook.com. So uh, her and I will talk about her entrepreneurial journey, how motherhood changed her business, and how you can simplify your business and life. Rachel will give you the exact strategies you need to uncomplicate your life, ways to simplify your business, streamline family routines, I'm really excited for this one, for easier days, and set your business up to give you more flexibility and stability. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be live like this. It's so cool. (laughs) I am so excited to have you here. Seriously, it's been a long time coming and I'm so, so happy that you were able to join us. Yeah, I can't wait to dive in. Me too. Fire away. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we always start our show like this. And I, the first question that I ask is, how did you start your entrepreneurial journey? And you can go, and I love your story about um, you starting your business and then finding out that you're pregnant with twins. I cannot wait to hear about that. So you can start there and I'd love to hear, or maybe even before um, grad school. So um, I started my entrepreneurial in a very similar but different way to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, I actually did not originally go to business for entrepreneurship or go to school for entrepreneurship and small business, even though I now have two degrees in entrepreneurship and small business. I originally started as a music performance major (laughs) playing orchestral French horn, which seems crazy, right? Like, how did I make that jump? Well, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs and I never thought I could be an entrepreneur because my parents are what I thought of as like typical entrepreneurs. They were very outgoing. They knew like everybody in town. Like I I still think of my dad as like the mayor of my hometown. He's not really the mayor, but he knows everyone, like everyone knows who he is. And so I thought that being an entrepreneur meant you had to have that kind of like really outgoing personality, you had to be willing to just walk up and talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. And here I am, this super like bookish, nerdy girl who literally, I mean, I was in orchestras from the time I was in high school. I spent most of my time playing music. I had no thoughts of going into entrepreneurship. So what ended up happening was I went to university and about two years in, what started happening was I had friends who were doing their senior and junior recitals. So if you are a music major, you have to give a big performance to get your degree, right? And if you have to do it your junior year and your senior year. So this is a big deal. Like you're preparing an entire concert basically by yourself (laughs) with an accompanist. So it's like you and a pianist on stage and that's it. But your friends come in, your family comes in, people come in from all over because this is a big deal. So. I started talking to my friends and they all wanted to host these little receptions for their friends and family coming Mm. in town. I mean, it could be a hundred or so people coming in town for your senior or junior recital. And I was like, well, I can help you with this. I love to cook. I have a huge family. So no problem. I can cater a recital reception for 50 or a hundred people. And in my mind, it was like, easy. I can do this. I can make money at this. It's better than getting a part-time job. Mm -hmm. And this became like a theme for me throughout college was, okay, 
catering receptions is much easier than getting a part-time job. And then it turned into tutoring became much easier than getting a part-time job. So I started tutoring. I tutored through the athletic department. And I discovered that they would pay you $15 an hour to be a tutor for anybody who was a student athlete at the university. But you didn't have a limit to how many students you could work with at once. So I created study groups of these student athletes and I would have like anywhere from five to 10 of them at a time. I'm getting paid $15 a head to tutor accounting and econ and everything else. So from the time I was at university, I started realizing it's not necessarily that I wanted to be out there like my parents super outgoing. It's that I wanted to find ways to get creative and make really great money for myself without having to go work a lot of hours because I had other things I wanted to do. That's and incredible. You really thought of outside the box. Yeah, I, I had to because I was paying a lot of my way through university. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I did it. I mean, I paid most of my way through university, all of my living expenses, paid for my MBA by finding little things like that that I could do. Yeah. So I ended up getting my undergrad in entrepreneurship. I went on, they paid me to get my MBA um, in entrepreneurship and small business. And that's when I went straight into consulting, which is pretty much... Like anybody who goes to business school and gets an MBA, you pretty much go into finance or consulting. I went into both. I became a financial consultant for entrepreneurs and small business owners. Um, But I decided pretty quickly, I was only about three years into that when I burned out. And that's how I ended up starting my first business, the Yogipreneur, because I literally was on a yoga mat trying to recover from burnout. And my yoga teacher said to me, Rachel, I know you don't think you want to go back into the consulting world, but could you help me in my yoga studio? Wow. And suddenly that started and it's evolved from there. So that's how it happened is because I was a broke college student who needed to pay her way through school and who didn't want to have to get a part-time job. I was trying to find another way to get paid as much as possible with as little work as possible. (laughs) Very, very cool. So, So what happened next when you... You helped. You started your business, Yogi Printer. Um, what? How? What was your tr- transition like? Because there is. It seems like you did a lot of things before landing into your um, your business consulting business, and it seems like that's the pattern I hear from mompreneurs all the time. That's the pattern that I have. That's the pattern a yeah. lot of moms have. Yeah, and I think for me, it's always just been. Not necessarily like I have some grand master plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a vision for what I want my life to look like. Yeah. And then I just keep my kind of antennae up for what could happen next or what could what opportunity could be in front of me. Mm-hmm. So when I started the Yogipreneur, like I said, it was because my yoga teacher approached me. And she mm-hmm. said, I know you have this background. I would love you to yeah. come behind the scenes and help me with this. Well, suddenly that led to her referring me to all of her friends who had you know, been in teacher training with her and people all up and down the East coast. So I started the Yogipreneur first, which is still live. You can still go to it at the yogipreneur.com. It's got tons of great content just for yoga businesses. Well, what started to happen was two things. One, um, six months after I launched that business, Mm -hmm, I found out mm -hmm. I was pregnant and then I found out it was twins. So hello, that's going to be a game changer. And up until that point, I had kind of run that business the same way that I had run my previous consulting, which was I was getting, you know, on the ground. I was going to people's studios. I was getting in people like in their business, not just talking like we are now. Yeah. And when I got pregnant, I, I remember 
when did I find out? I think I found out like in June of 2009 that it was twins. And they were like, FYI, it's twins. <sighs> and you're probably going to be on bed rest. You have these oh. risk factors for it being a high risk pregnancy. Oh so we want you to prepare yourself in the event that we decide to put you on bed rest. You have to make a plan now because you only have like a three month window here. Wow before we have to figure out, you know, if we have to do that. And it's very common for high-risk pregnancies or twin pregnancies. Yes, yes. You end up on modified bed rest or be restricted in what you're allowed to do. In fact, mm. by the end of it, I wasn't allowed to travel more than like a half hour from the hospital. <laughs> they were like, wow. no, you can't go see anybody for Christmas. You have to be really close by. Wow. Um, so luckily that was, you know, that was 2009. Things were changing. People were getting more used to Skype. Mm -hmm. People were getting more comfortable with the idea of working with somebody on the phone or via Skype. So I transitioned everything online. And then while I was on bed rest, because I ended up on bed rest for, from like October until the twins were born at the end of January. Wow. Um, I basically spent all that time wow. figuring out how I could transition my business 100% online and how I could go from, again, my whole thing is like, how can I work smarter, not harder? How can I get the most impact with the most people, but also generate more revenue for my business without working a ton of hours. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I just soaked up everything I could. I started, I learned about GoToWebinar. That was probably the only webinar platform back yes, then. <laughs> yes. I learned about GoToWebinar. I was like, oh, instead of teaching in-person workshops, I can teach them online. And I started piecing it all together. Now keep in mind, this is like what seven years ago now yeah, yeah. and things have become about a million times easier yes there I was agree. no there was no lead pages there was no you know divi theme most wordpress was like all super custom it was yes. really hard like i broke my site a ton of times so it was definitely hard this first few years well yeah. what started happening was i continued with yogipreneur for many years i was just talking to the yoga community and what started happening was I was getting these messages from other people. I, at that point, I was talking about, you know, my journey being a mom entrepreneur. I was talking about um, more entrepreneurship in general, like topics that are, were a little bit more applicable to more places and more industries. And I started getting people emailing me saying, I'm not a yoga teacher, but I'm a life coach. I'm not a yoga teacher, but I'm a health coach. I'm not a yoga teacher, but I'm huh. a photographer. Could you help me? And so I started working with more and more of those people. And that's when I realized, okay, I think I've accidentally tipped <laughs> into a broader range of people here who are interested in following me. And that's how I decided to move on to rachelcook.com and kind of leave love partner as its own thing, simply because again, it was people telling me, hey, this is what we want from you. And I was like, okay, cool. Next step, move on to rachelcook.com. I love that. And I'm so happy you shared that with me because I totally want to ask you this question because a lot of times when we start our businesses, we think like of this clever name. And like my first business was Small Business Gal. And it was, and it was interesting because throughout the journey, as you go into entrepreneurship, you realize that and you figure it out whether your um, business name will suit your business better or your own personal name. And I love how you self-branded it and left the Yogipreneur as its own. So awesome. And I just want to take it back to our audience and say thank you so much for um, taking your time and listening to us. Rachel is an incredible powerhouse. I told you. Look at her. Like, <laughs> incredible. 
incredible information. And I don't want you to just listen and be inspired and then close your phone and do your own thing. I really want you to take this to heart and really think of ways that you can apply this information to your own business. Think of ways that whatever Rachel did in her business, think of the ways that you can apply it into your own business. How can you take it offline if if you are um, uh, offline? How can you take it online if you're offline? So uh, Dina Schmutz, Thank you so much for joining us. It's so good to uh, to see you. Um, Lily, you cannot hear us. Um, everybody else says yes. Lily, please refresh your browser and then um, press play again. That should be that should fix it. Um, thank you again, Joy, um, for giving me the feedback. Jessica, welcome, honey. It's so good to see you. So um, we're going to go into more of the strategy with Rachel here in a bit. And I really want you to prepare yourselves. Like, what kind of questions do you have for Rachel? Because here she is, uh, seven years in entrepreneurship, and she has built two, and we're, we're going to get into this right now, two multiple so two six-figure businesses. Am I correct, Rachel? Mm-hmm. So, and you know, these are the people that we need to learn from, the people who actually have done it. And so I really want you to get your you know, fingers out, type in a question that you have for Rachel, because this is a really great opportunity to ask her questions of uh, wherever you are in business, because she's built it around around her lifestyle. And I totally love that. So Rachel, back to you. Um, now you rebranded into rachelcook.com. Uh, and how did you... Um, it, it looks like it was a pretty smooth transition from the Yogipreneur to Rachel Cook because people were already coming to you and asking you for advice, asking you for coaching in different business sectors. Yeah, I, I would have to say it was a pretty natural transition yeah. to make that decision and move forward simply because... I tend to be more of a high level strategy type of person. Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. big picture strategy. And the truth is most strategy translates across industries. And I prefer to stick with things that I know are timeless. I don't like trends. I don't like focusing on just like the latest tip or trick or tactic because it will change in an instant. And that's where I see some people getting stuck when they're entrepreneurs is they are looking at what's new and shiny and cool, but then they never develop the solid foundation and the rules for a solid foundation, you guys, they are timeless. It doesn't matter if you're online or offline, if you're a local entrepreneur or creating a much bigger international audience, the foundational elements of what makes up your business is timeless. And if you understand that bigger picture strategy, then the tips and tricks and tactics are interchangeable. Exactly. Does that that make sense? So absolutely. If you're working on, let's say, a marketing strategy right now and your goal is to like grow your email list which is what everybody hears they should be doing exactly well the tip du jour could be you know right now everybody's getting on podcasts because yeah. it's blowing up everybody wants to be interviewed on podcasts or get featured on podcasts but if you understand where that fits in the whole scope of your entire strategy you could quickly shift that and kind of zig where other people zag. Maybe you could go focus on guest posting or you could focus on learning advertising. You could focus on publicity. Like all of those things, the tips and tricks and tactics are truly interchangeable once you understand where they fit in your big picture. So that's what I love to focus on is that big picture, helping people see the framework behind what really makes your business work. Kind of like you have an operating system for your computer I like to think of it as an operating system for your business. So once you have that in place, 
you know exactly what you need to focus on and what types of things go under kind of each category to keep that engine running as smoothly as possible. So the transition from Yogi Preneur to Rachel Cook was pretty smooth for me because I felt like it was really just me. Again, it's all about response to my audience. It's always been about responding to what people Mm. are asking me for. And the more I just continue listening to them, the more I'm like, okay, here's where we're going to go next. Listening yeah. is key. I love that. Listening is key. And I love that you shared um, about like really the strategy, the overall general strategy. And so many people really focus on, I mean, even in like in business, like really focus on Instagram or really focus on Periscope. There's nothing wrong with that. Like you, you know, look as it, focused, I mean, as far as like building your business around it. And so it's, it gets really tricky there because um, it's, it's a it's a business strategy, but if you focus on that, that will come and go. So like Periscope will come and go, Instagram will come and go eventually. And so it's so so important to focus your energy on really the deep stuff. And I love that Rachel that you focus yeah. you choose to focus your business on the strategy that can be applied in any business. So really appreciate that. So how were you able to bring your husband in your business <laughs> and work with him side by side? I'm so curious about this because this is this is my scope of area right now, what I'm focusing on right now. And it's how did you make it happen, first of all? And then yeah. how do you and your husband work together? How do you separate the, the, the business duties? Tell us. Oh my gosh. So I can tell you it has been not a perfect process of at course. all. I can only um, imagine. <laughs> it's it's the most challenging relationship on my team simply because you know when you're working with when you start your own business this is your baby, you're the boss. Yeah. I'm the boss of all the people and then suddenly my husband was like, "Hey, I think I want to leave teaching and come work with you." And it's like, "Okay, I'm going to be your wife and your boss. Let's see how this goes." Yeah. So we went through an interesting transition. My husband, Jameson, was an English teacher, seventh grade English, for about wow. eight years. Wow. And we decided when our third child was born that we were ready to really shift the way that we were kind of just living in general. We wanted him to be home because up until that point, I mean, any of you guys who have been running businesses when you have especially small babies, I mean, I remember, gosh, the years where the twins were really little Jameson would, first of all, he would have to leave for school at like 5.30 in the morning to get to school on time. So he wasn't any help in the morning. It was like totally on my own in the morning. I'm trying to get the kids up and going. I'm trying to get them to preschool. You know, the whole thing by yourself. It's hard. I don't know how single moms do it. Props to all the single moms out there. Y'all are amazing. And then I would schedule all of my coaching calls and things after 3 o'clock because he would get home at 3 o'clock. But... It would be so stressful because he would show up late because he had to make a parent call or somebody would catch him and he would be late running out the building. And so I'm like literally holding these babies like, come here, you're getting the pass off now. So when we decided once Mitchell was born, we were like, you know what? We just want to be together, be together as a family and find a way to make it work. At that point, Hmm. the business could sustain it. I more than replaced his income. Um, But we took some time because emotionally, and you guys know this, if, if you know what teachers are paid in the U.S., teachers in the U.S. are paid nothing. I mean, it's it's so pathetic how little they're paid. And despite the fact that it was like only $2,500 a month, it felt like it was our last security blanket mm-hmm. towards, you know, stability, even though at that point I was bringing in multiples of that every single month. It felt like a big change. So we decided 
to take our time. We knew when I got pregnant with Mitchell that that was where we wanted to go, but we also knew we wanted to be really smart about it. So we made sure that um, he finished up a year of teaching. So Mm -hmm. he didn't quit until after Mitchell was born. And we did that so that we could shore up our accounts, you know, make sure we had a cushion, make sure that even though we were cutting that final, you know, cord, we had a safety net there. We went ahead and bought a new house. Up until that point, we had been renting so that I could reinvest everything back into my business. And it's hard to buy a business when you're an entrepreneur. Doesn't matter, it seems, like how much you show them you're making. Buy house, yes. Yeah, they're still like, oh, well, you you know, your business could change completely overnight. And I'm like, it's not going to, but okay. So it was much easier to buy a house with him being, you know, the steadily employed person. So we did that. I mean, we did some very like simple things to make sure we would be okay. We increased our life insurance, you know, all that kind of financial planning stuff. That was a big thing for us. And we took our time with it. And then once Mm -hmm. we did, we kind of cut the cord and he jumped into the business. So the good thing about Jameson jumping into the business, he's an English teacher, you know, he's got a background in in creative writing. So I highly recommend if your husband's an English teacher, (laughs) get him on board. He'd be great at editing content, at writing blog posts, at writing email newsletters. Like, I mean, think about it. I am really a media company. You're a media company. Like we are producing content so much content. When I look at how much content I produce every single year, it is ridiculous between free content and paid content. So having somebody who can actually correct my grammar or make sure, you know, that I didn't spell it all wrong, that's really great. And he's also really good at, he's picked up copywriting, which is of course different than creative writing or more Mm, formal writing. Very interesting. He's been able to learn those types of things. So that's the role he started to play was, you know, his strengths are, I'm very linear. He's very, you know, creative and Mm. we complement each other in that way. So he was able to kind of jump in and take on some of the behind the scenes creation. I would just kind of say, here's what I want you to focus on. Boom, here, go run with it. And then I could polish it up. It just started making that whole content creation piece a lot easier. So when everybody asks me how much, how I get so much created, like how we wrote two books in the last year, it's, it's because I have a husband who's an English teacher. (laughs) I absolutely love that and how you both use your strengths. And that's very interesting because I feel like we have a very similar relationship with my husband. My husband is more linear, strategic, and I'm more creative type. And so I would literally sit down and we'll have this business mastermind per se. It's like we focus on the business and he often calls himself business manager. He's like, babe, I'm your business manager. We got to focus on this. Or so Totally. it's the cutest thing ever. And I can only imagine some of the things that come in the way as far as like, um, you know, difficulties, maybe um, not agreeing on something and on a, on a business de- decision and stuff. But um, it, you really make it, you really prove to us that it really is possible to is. build a life around, a business around your life. It is. And I just want to add to that. If you are considering bringing your spouse on, it's going to be hard. You know, it's, there's no, there's going to be a period of adjustment for everybody because it's, it's like a, it's challenging because you don't want to mess up your most important relationship, which is your marriage. Exactly. You know, your connection to each other. 
And then you're adding in this other part of either being like a boss employee or co-bosses. And that can be challenging if you've been running the business and they have not been a part of it. Mm. So for us, it's not like he came in and it was like, okay, now we're going to be equal partners in this because he didn't, first of all, he didn't want that. That's not, he just wanted to help. He wants to be supportive. He wants to help where he can. Mm -hmm. So we're very clear about our roles. Like we actually wrote out job descriptions. Here's my job. Here's your job. And he doesn't report to me either. He reports to my project manager, my behind the scenes manager. Because it was very clear that I can be a boss mom, but I can't be a boss wife. (laughs) I love that. Do you know what I mean? Like exactly for sure. Causing some challenges that we didn't want to deal with. So it just became easier when we, when we put those boundaries in place and said, here's what you need to focus on. Here's what you need to do. And as long Mm. as you do those things, like we don't have to get into a weird feeling like power struggle. We can exactly. Oh, that's so good. I love that you shared. Um, you can be a, a boss mom, but you cannot be a boss wife. <laughs> that's totally tweetable. So if yeah. you guys want to tweet that, I'd love that. Uh, Cindy says, Cindy Collins says, my husband is a teacher too of 23 years. He can't wait to retire. Cindy, well, you can totally make it happen. That's awesome. Um, and by the way, Cindy, I can't wait to have you on the show. All right. Jessica says, um, asks a question, really good question, Rachel. And I think this is very timely because that's exactly what the direction we want to go into. What was your schedule like with twins? How many hours were you able to put in per week? So we're kind of backtracking a little bit. And as, you know, as mompreneurs, when you're starting or maybe you're one, two years into your business, it's so good to ask these questions like, well, what did you do then when you were, when your babies were little? So really good question, Jessica. Totally. I love this question. And it's so funny. I was just talking to somebody. My twins are now in first grade, which is such a difference from back oh, when yeah. they were babies, you know? And I think there's this period from like them being born till about age five, till they go into preschool or kindergarten. And we call it, me and my friends, this is just the baby jail period. It's hard. This is like the hardest it's ever going to be Yes. when you're a mom because yeah. they depend on you so much. And it's also, if you are being, if you're, if you're raising a family and growing a business, that is going to be the hardest period, baby yeah. jail. Because again, not only is it your time, it's also like, are you getting enough sleep? Yeah. <laughs> is there someone waking you up every single night? Are you still breastfeeding every single night? Is that keeping you up? And For me, that was always a challenge because I nursed all my babies. So it was like I was sleep deprived from the time the twins were born until Mitchell finally (laughs) stopped nursing. So I understand all of those challenges. I'm like right there with you guys. One of the first things I do with my clients is I create a model calendar. And if you've, I know you've been in my Fired Up and Focus Challenge, Vicky, but I know others haven't. And it's one of my favorite strategies. And it's meant to be a flexible framework to help you create some structure in your life. Mm -hmm. So just like you would you know, we talk a lot as moms, as parents about creating kind of a routine for your kids. Turns out we still need those as adults. And those routines, even if they're not like, at 10 o'clock, you're going to do this. Having a routine just helps you to get into the flow. It helps you to know what's coming and make sure that you can keep doing what needs to be done. So just like with my kids, I had a routine with my business, I had a routine. Exactly. And some things that I knew um, especially when the twins were really little one, I couldn't afford a lot of childcare. Mm-hmm. So I had to get creative with my hours. Um, so, so how, how did you did do I, that? How yeah. did I do that? The biggest way, I mean, I have to say I'm super lucky. Like I said, my husband was a teacher. He was home by three o'clock. 
So I had some time there from three until about six where I was working. Kind of an unusual schedule, right? To work from three to six every afternoon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the nice thing is a lot of my clients weren't just on Eastern time. They were across the country. So it might have been 3 p.m. my time. It was only noon on the West Coast. So it, it happened to work out. So that was about, I don't know, three times five. That was 15 hours a week that I had childcare because my husband was home. Yeah. I also worked in the evenings when the twins were really little. There were a lot of evenings where we would finally get them to bed or Mm -hmm. I would say, Hey babe, bedtime's on you. And I would go hide. And that's when I would do things like create content or record new videos or anything else that I wanted to do. So I made sure that I had time available, like mapped out and I had an extra set of hands to actually work with my clients. Cause at that point, I was mostly working one-on-one with coaching and consulting. Yes, yes. And then the evenings were my time to create content, et cetera. And I would block out like an extra two hours. Now, as mm. they got bigger and I kind of loosened the grip and stopped being such a control freak about everything, I got more comfortable asking for help. I will totally admit I am guilty. I am the mom who was like, no one else can watch my kids. I don't want... I want to do it all myself until again, I was burning out and I was overwhelmed and I was frustrated. Yeah. And finally my husband is like, this is ridiculous. We need to get some support. So we started small. We started small. I found a babysitter who could come one or two days a week. In fact, we got to the point where there's another twin mom who I know here in town and we shared a babysitter because good babysitters are hard to find. Yes. You have to treat them well. You have to pay them well. And if they have enough hours, they will be very loyal. So it yes. was like, I'll take 10 hours a week, you take 10 hours a week. And yes. we would share her so that she had a you know, a part-time job. That was huge. I would go to um, our gym and use the gym daycare. I'd do my workout for 45 minutes, and then I'd have another 45 minutes to check my emails and update social that. media. So I would piece together childcare. And I think that's the biggest challenge when you're a mom entrepreneur yes. and you have babies is how you get that support in childcare, especially if you're like me, you don't have family mm. in the area. Now, if my mother-in-law was next door, I would have just been like, here you go, yeah. <laughs> like help me out. But I didn't have that. So I had yeah. to get creative and I had to add on as I could. We got to the point when Mitchell was born, um, we just hired a nanny who was with us 20 hours a week. And the amazing part about that is, I mean, that was three years later, a lot more income coming in. It was much easier for me to pay somebody for 20 hours a week of, yes. of babysitting, coming home, you know, in my home. Yes. I also love that that meant I had somebody doing the dishes and cleaning up the house and picking up toys. Um, but we ended up having that nanny for two years. Wow. And she just finished. Um, she was a you know, ballerina trainee at the Richmond Ballet. Oh, wow. And she's now a professional dancer in San Diego. So it was amazing to almost be able to help this girl. Yes go on and chase her dreams, which I absolutely love. So that's a big part of it. Create a routine for yourself. Mm-hmm. Figure out where in your schedule you need time to, like if you're like me and you're, you have to have client-facing time, make sure you have support you can depend on. I knew my husband was going to show up <laughs> or else he's going to have a very angry wife. I knew he was show up. So I knew I could depend on him for my client facing times. Everything else was kind of like, where could we plug it in? Is it bedtime? Is it going to the gym and using their daycare? Is it bringing on a babysitter when I could afford it? Okay. Yes. Love those strategies. And I love the model calendar that you shared. And I call it the master calendar where it's the same, uh, same concept where you really got to map up, map out your days. And the thing is, I first, I was really 
frustrated with it because it's like I'm such a rebel I hate when people tell me what to do I hate putting constraints and boundaries around me but that really helped me instead of constraining me it helped me guide it helped guide my day which I really 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 loved so if any of you guys are interested like create a calendar for you um better yet join rachel's uh, fired up and focus challenge just google it it's amazing and so you'll just get an email every day from her and telling you the steps that you need to take and it's like a free coaching free email coaching session with her which is really invaluable now rachel let's let's dig into a little bit about the business aspects how did you how did you uh, transfer from go from working with clients one-on-one to working with uh, in groups and um what do you call that mastermind i think masterminds or intensives where you have them uh twice twice a year how did you move from that to to what you're doing now yeah this is such a great question and one it starts one-on-one i think Working one-on-one is one of the fastest ways to get your business up and running. It's one of the fastest ways to get to profitability, and it's the least expensive way to get to profitability. Trust me when I say this, creating online courses and creating passive income, it's going to take a lot more time and money to do it and to do it well than you might think. So one-on-one is always my go-to, but the biggest thing is you've got to structure your one-on-one so that it works for you. A big problem I see with a lot of my students, especially because they're in the health and wellness and, you know, make your life better space, is they tend to default to a single session. And it's like they're afraid to offer something bigger Mm -hmm. that actually helps people solve their problem. And here's what I mean by this. So recently I I woke up with a horrible crick in my neck and I was like, I need to go call the massage therapist. I need to go there and see them. The first thing they say is, do you just want to book a single appointment? And they don't ask you, you know, okay, well, what's going on with your neck? How long has this been going on? What um, has this happened before? They don't dig into what's really happening and then tell you, you know, what we normally see for this is that we ought to do like over the next two weeks, at least three massages, and then we'll have a follow up a week later and then a follow up two weeks later. What this allows you to do is get out of pain in that first week and then start moving towards, you know, reducing the inflammation so it's not going to flare up again. And then you'll get more towards healing. It actually will take us about a month to get you back on track and here's the package we recommend or here's the I way love we that doing that so this is a difference between a massage that's going to cost you like a hundred dollars versus now you've got somebody who's booked for the entire month and there's five massages so that's a five hundred dollar exactly package. exactly so this is a huge difference you know you're you're selling something once but you're making five times the amount the revenue from it It creates a lot more stability for you, a lot more profitability for you. And you're actually able to do less marketing and less sales conversations because you've set your work up and a better fit for you and for your clients because you're helping them get to those results. Exactly. That's the first step. I'm so glad you shared that. I'm so glad you shared that. And so sorry to interrupt, but that's exactly where I was. Uh, just doing one-off sessions with people. And it was great. Um, Some moms came back. They loved it. But it was like a two-hour session. I gave all my good stuff away. And then, but there was no follow-up, no setting the people up for success. And so when I switched into three-month and six-month increments, it really changed my business. Now, there's so many moms listening to us right now who are not yet into the coaching um 
area. Sure. And I know we had Hillary Rubin on, um, who helps coaches become, helps uh, people become coaches. And the thing is, I feel like Rachel and, uh, let me know if you agree or not, but like, um, I think a lot of it has to do with mindset. It's like people need you. Like people, like I have back pain. I need to go and get a massage or get an uh, adjustment from the chiropractor. And so people come to you, they need you. And it's not that you're just taking their money. You're doing a very equal exchange. So... Yeah, absolutely. And I love Hillary. And I think she's great at helping people become coaches. I think the other thing to remember is not everybody needs to be a coach. But your students still are your students, your clients, I call them students because they're in my my training programs. They still need you to coach them, Mm -hmm. even if you're not a coach. And here's what I mean by that. So let's say that you're coming into a program, and I'm going to um, teach you whatever I'm going to teach you you focus mostly on the information and you don't focus on coaching people through it. You don't focus on helping people apply it and figure out how to use it. Then they're just sitting there on a bunch of information. You probably have a high rate of refunds. You probably don't get a lot of testimonials or case studies. You probably have a lot of clients who just aren't super active or engaged in your groups or however you're communicating with them. But if you start thinking of it from adding in this piece, it doesn't mean you have to like be a life coach or a health coach or whatever. It means that you're simply guiding them through the process a little bit more hands-on. And that can happen through an email. That doesn't have to mean that you get on the phone with every single person. It just means that, okay, they're going through this training I created and I'm going to have an email series go out that answers the biggest questions, that gives them examples, that shows them how they can apply it, that directs them back into the content, back into the material. So coaching is incredibly powerful and it simply means you're continuing to help people integrate and implement what they are learning because information is fine. But at the end of the day, what people really want is results. Exactly. Your job, no matter what you're doing, is to get people to results. So the more you can start thinking along those lines, first of all, the higher value your programs get and your services get because you're focused on results. You're not just focused on information. People can Google information. Exactly. They can't Google support. Exactly. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Exactly. Loved it. So many great golden nuggets. And Rachel, our time is coming to an end. If anybody has any last minute questions, I will gladly take them. Uh, but I want to thank you. Um, Jessica Cooney said, um, I'm like that. I can't have a babysitter. And she said, I'll check out the challenge. Thanks. And Jessica, I'm so glad that Rachel was able to answer a question. Um, and Jessica Cooney says, ha ha, baby jail. Yes. Yes. <laughs> when, <real>. yeah. <laughs> Wendy said, really enjoyed this. Thanks so much for sharing. Thank you, Wendy, so much for jumping in. Alicia Rittenhouse, CA, thank you so much for joining us. And Sarah, awesome. It's so good to have you. Ladies, it's so awesome to have you um, join us. And Dill, thank you so much for joining us. Olga, because, um, you know, if you are catching just the end of, of the show, please go back. As soon as we're done, you, you'll be able to go back and, and watch it from the very beginning. Rachel had incredible insights to share and that you can pull out from her journey and from the strategies that she shared with us. Rachel, I... Um, I will, I don't think there's any more, any more questions, but I just want to say thank you so much to you and for your time. And could I, could you take a moment and tell us about your fired up and focused challenge? Yeah, my fired up and focused challenge is one of my favorite things I've ever created. It is a absolutely free, I'm sorry, it's a free 21 day 
productivity challenge. So the whole goal of it is to help you plan, prioritize, and boost your productivity over a 21-day period so that you can really step into your role as the CEO of your business and of your life. So if you go to firedupandfocus.com, you can jump right in. The first challenge is right there, ready and waiting for you. And we have a great free Facebook community that is super active and engaged. So you'll learn about how you can really simplify a lot of your business and make sure that you're getting the right things done at the right time, which is how I've been able to build these businesses working 20 to 25 hours a week. It's all about making sure you're doing the things that have the most impact and take the least amount of time. Exactly. And Rachel, thank you so much for sharing. And again, like I'm such a creative person. I tend to be all over the place. And Rachel's uh, challenge really helped me like narrow down and think strategically because I am absolutely no strategist at all. So thank you so much. Um, Cindy said, I needed that, Rachel. So Cindy Collins, thank you so much, honey. I really appreciate you. Um, and again, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. And Rachel, you're amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is fun. I'm excited to test more of these Facebook Live <laughs> strategies that you've already tapped into. It's awesome. Absolutely. If if, if you need any help, I am. <laughs> I can share anything with you anytime. All right, sweetheart. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mompreneur Show. I had such a great time with Rachel. The strategies that she shared can be applied to any business, any 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 time in life where you are either either you're with babies or you have toddlers or you have school-aged children i think that rachel has so much wisdom to share and i really hope that you go on to fired uh, fired up and focused.com to get your challenge thank you so much for joining us again i really appreciate you for being here for taking your time out of your busy day please join us live next time every single monday at 10 a.m pacific 1 p.m eastern right here on facebook live i will see you next week have an amazing day bye-bye Bye.